Hello, Hull Vineyard Church family and friends. So good to see you on here. Uh, We're in the book of Jonah, and uh, we're going to be looking at part two of Jonah. And this week, we're going to be looking at how do we navigate the storms of life? Uh, I think that's particularly relevant with uh, the news this week of another national lockdown. And we're going to be looking into the book and the life of Jonah to really get some keys to understanding the purpose in storms. When we're hit with the storms of life, what are some of the lessons that we can learn from that? And, uh, and so I'd love for you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Jonah. Grab uh, pen and paper and uh, write some notes and allow God to speak to you. Um, in this next 15, 20 minutes that we have together. So I'm going to start from verse 1. I'm going to read through to verse 6 of Jonah chapter 1. It says this, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. Such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. So I want to give a bit of a recap from last week where we introduced this new year with the book of Jonah. And and last week, especially in light of it being a new year, um, we began to sound a klaxon call, a clarion call to return to God, to return to God and for us to become reawakened once again to the call of God and the promises of God over our lives. We emphasize that posture before God is so much more important than plans. And we're going to be looking at plans uh, for our church uh, next month. But this month is a great month to um, warm up, if you like, to stretch, uh, to lean into God, to posture ourselves before God. And uh, we're going to be doing a 21-day prayer and fast starting tomorrow. We're encouraging the whole church to get involved in that and to be reading the Bible in a year. And if we look at this story, Jonah has been called to go to the great city of Nineveh. He's been given this instruction, this call, and he's running in resistance rather than repentance, rather than flowing with the call of God on his life, he's running away. He's running away. As a family, we are RSPB members, the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds, and we often go up to Bempton. Bempton Cliffs is about an hour away from here in Hull. And it's a great place for bird watching, for uh, seeing seabirds, especially puffins. It's absolutely beautiful up there. 
And it's interesting, the Bible uses birds um, quite a bit, talk to us about an essential ingredient to the Christian life, which is repentance, which is a major theme of the book of Jonah. And uh, I love it how birds and their behavior are really a huge help to us as followers of, of Jesus. Uh, it was that Martin Luther who actually said, let the birds be our teacher, our theologian, if you like. And, and if you're like me recently, you've probably noticed um, in the last couple of months, um, many flocks of migrating birds. Uh, they migrate away in the autumn season and they come back in the, in the spring. And um, if you read uh, chapter eight of the book of Jeremiah, and this was um, 650 years before Jesus, um, there's a few verses I'd love to read to you. And it says this, this is what the Lord says, when people fall down, do they not get up? When someone turns away, do they not return? Why then have these people turned away? Why does Jerusalem always turn away? They cling to deceit. They refuse to return. I have listened attentively, but they do not say what is right. None of them repent of their wickedness, saying, what have I done? Each pursues their own course like a horse charging into battle. Even the stork in the sky knows her appointed seasons, and the dove, the swift, and the thrush observe the time of their migration. But my people do not know the requirements of the Lord. And so it's talking about one of the birds, storks, and they've flown 8,000 miles in their time, migration. And they go, but here's the key thing, they always return. They always return. And in Jeremiah's day, the people had gone away, but they had not repented, they had not returned. And, and now what birds do by instinct, what birds do through their internal navigation system, their map on their mind, if you like, we do by choice. It's not an instinctive act, but it's by choice. The uh, action of repentance is a decision and a choice that we make to return back to God and his specific call and promises over our lives. Pastor Tony Evans from America defines repentance like this, and I love this. Sometimes you discover when you're driving that you're going the wrong direction. Instead of going north, you're going south and you're 20 miles away from where you should be. Repentance is not just thinking in your mind, I'm going the wrong direction. Repentance is not just saying, well, other people are further away from where I need to be. So I'm not doing that bad. Repentance is a decision you make to get off at the next exit, to cross over and get back on the other road, heading in the other direction. And so we really believe that God is releasing in this time his call upon us, his promises over us in this new year. It's prophetic, it's provocative, but it's, it's a place of creativity. It's a place of growth and multiplication. It's a place of favor and blessing. And this blessing and this favor lies in the church repenting, not running away in resistance, but returning back to God in his heart and his ways and that call on our lives. So back to Jonah, because Jonah is on the run. 
And in these next few verses, we have some beautiful scripture to unpack that will really help us, especially navigating the storms of life that we experience. You see, Jonah is on his way to a place called Tarshish. He couldn't be further away from the great city of Nineveh. And it's amazing that as he's on his way, he happens to find a ship that he can board, which is going to Tarshish. And, and I think we just need to pause there because I think there's a real um, insight here into the subtleties of how we can so easily run away from God and his call on our lives and justify it. I can imagine Jonah um, is running away and he discovers that there's this ship that happens to be there that so happens to be going to the place that he wants to go. And he starts to justify his running. He starts to justify his actions. He's like maybe thinking, oh, actually, maybe I heard wrong. Maybe God is in this and he wants me to do this and so. And, and the circumstances seem to be fitting what I want to do in my heart. And um, I think it's so easy to justify uh, that something is God's will when circumstances are going a certain way, that we find circumstances are happening and we justify that, oh, this is actually what God wants. It could be relationally. Um, oh, wow, you know, that girl that I really like who, who doesn't have a faith in Jesus, you know, I've talked to her and she's really interested in like coming to church with me or she's really interested in faith. Or, or it could be my boss wants to be, me to be involved in this business deal, and it's, look how it's just come on my desk and the open doors of favor. Um, but it carries a bit of gray, it carries a bit of compromise. It means I'm going to lack a bit of integrity and compromise in it. And I want to encourage you, um, as you and as we all return back to God and follow this pathway of repentance, is to be aware of finding ships. Beware of finding ships that take you off course from the will of God for your life. And I compare this immediately to Paul in his missionary journeys in the book of Acts in the early church, where it talks about, uh, you know, Paul is heading in a certain direction. And then it says the Holy Spirit stops it and prevents him entering into a certain area. And that's the kind of heart that we want to have, much more like Paul rather than Jonah. So if we want to learn from Jonah and run in repentance and return to God, then it's really important, particularly at the beginning of this year, to beware of finding ships and to be in a place where we've postured ourselves to be hearing the voice and the whisper of God, to be in the word, to be studying the word, to be praying, to be listening, spending time in his presence uh, so that we don't live circumstantially, but we live internally, that we're driven uh, by that sense of voice and word of God. But even though Jonah has made this decision and he's now boarded the boat, the Lord sends a storm. In one of the translations, it says that um, the Lord hurls uh, the storm into the sea. He hurls a great wind upon the sea. It's kind of like uh, when Saul threw that spear at David. It's a similar kind of language and imagery. 
And this is where really um, the main and plain of what I want to share with you today is where I would love for us to camp for a moment by unpacking the various layers around God sending a storm. You see, God in his providence and his sovereignty so often allows the storms of life and the trials of life in order to aid our returning back to him. And we see this with Jonah, you think, oh, wow, he's run away, he's gone as far as he can, he's boarded this boat, and now this great storm comes and disrupts the plans. And you can start to see the beginnings of God's sovereign plan beginning to work out. And I've often found that God sends repentance help, if you like, when we're going in the wrong direction. This is why God is so committed. He's so committed for, to our good. He's so committed that we're walking in the right direction. He's so committed to us fulfilling the call and potential on our lives. He's so committed that sometimes he denies us what is good in order for what is best. Because he loves us. And he's a good father. And um, he'll often speak to us. And if we're not listening, he'll often speak through the church. It's why it's so important that we're part of the body of Christ and we're encouraging the prophetic among us and that God often speaks timely words of encouragement to us in the community, in the family of God. And if we refuse that, often God will allow dire circumstances that causes us to repent and return back to him and to get back on track with him. Now we must make something really, really clear today. And it's a theological point, really, uh, that the book of Jonah brings up. And it's this, that not every storm is a direct result of willful disobedience and sin in our lives. And really, you just have to look at the book of Job and read that to uh, begin to understand that. It, it, can't, it can't be always. But what is truth is that every act of disobedience has a storm attached to it. And I think it's much better to look at it from that perspective. Not every difficulty is a result of sin. But every sin will lead to some kind of difficulty. Derek Kidner says this, sin sets up strains in the structure of life which can only end in breakdown. So in other words, if we violate God's laws, we essentially are violating our own design. And so let me just break this down. You know, you can't misuse, uh, we can't misuse our bodies and expect great health. We can't misuse um, relationships and expect healthy and functional relationships. You can't misuse finances and expect financial health. Financial, financial difficulty will come on the back of misusing money. We see this a little bit with the storm coming up, coming upon these sailors. So not only is Jonah caught up in the storm, but there's these people on the boat. And it's more often the fact that storms come because we live in a fallen and sin-scarred world. And you could really put the, the storm of this pandemic that we're in into that category. You know, there's so many uh, conspiracy theories 
and opinions in the church worldwide. And a lot of it's above my pay grade uh, for trying to have a clear answer on in terms of judgment, in terms of revival, what is God doing? What is God saying to the church? What is God saying to humanity? But I'm a big believer that, that storms happen in life because we live in a fallen world. We live in a sin-scarred world. Storms happen just because life happens. But the key question for us is how do we respond and react in a storm of life? And I'm always encouraged by that great verse in Romans 8:28, that promise that God is working together all things for good for those who love him and accord according to his purpose. Now, let me tell you how Jonah responds to the storm and the sailors and how they're both things which aren't great and how therefore we must respond when we encounter storms of life. You know, Jonah is so desperate to run away that when he's on the boat, he goes below deck and he falls asleep. We read that in verse six. Now, this isn't the kind of uh, Jesus on the boat sleep. This isn't in the, in the New Testament when Jesus falls asleep on the boat and there's a storm and they're all panicking and Jesus is just chilled. This isn't perfect peace sleep. This isn't peace in the eye of the storm. This isn't Sabbath rest sleep. This isn't God gives sleep to those that he loves kind of sleep. Um, this isn't rest and restoration from a hard day's work kind of sleep. This is essentially escapism, escapism. Now, one of the key things that happens when we, and it so often happens subtly, we run away from God and we make some poor choices, is actually we will look to escape. And Jonah here is in a classic backslidden state. He's exhausted from life. He's full of probably anxiety and anger and guilt, and he's running away from a God who is relentlessly pursuing him with a call on his life. And he was just an, ex an extension of Jonah's resistance to the call. Escapism, he's just trying to numb everything. And he goes to sleep despite the storm at the below deck, and there's a, there's a lethargy here, there's an aimlessness, there's an apathy. And that's so often where sin is. You know, sin is so often crouching at the door for when we're asleep spiritually in our lives. People love to numb the pain and reassert and reaffirm that running away posture through sin because it's just a release valve. It's a form of escape. And, you know, all kinds of sin, when we're looking to numb the call of God on our lives and numb um, that sense of repentance is a, it's like a slow cooker. Eventually, symptoms will begin to show up. At the beginning, escapism feels like a release valve, feels great, it feels like a high, if you like, but eventually those symptoms will show up and it will lead to, to brokenness and a separation from God and his call. It can be addiction, whether it be pornography or bitterness, unforgiveness, pride. So many things, so many storms come from poor choices of running away from God where we just try to numb the pain. It could be through, like, just, I'm just going to 
um, binge watch over and over and over again, Netflix. Um, just sleep loads and loads just because I'm trying to escape. And it's so common, particularly people who struggle with mental and emotional ill health. But we see here in the book of Jonah and his life and in the narrative is that he's always going down. He initially arose to respond to the call, but the narrative just shows that Jonah keeps going down. And that's a picture of what sin does. Sin always leads us downwards to dysfunction, to brokenness, to pain, to so often storms in our lives and away from God and his call. Now, the other response to storms is what the sailors do. They run, in verse 5, to their gods. So there's escapism, or in a sin-scarred world, the storms of life, whether it be a pandemic, moral storms, ecological storms, economic storms, political storms. We're seeing this in society right now. We see this with the people on the boat. And society experiences these, <clears throat> these storms and what they do is they cry out to their God. Humanism, secularism, materialism, other religions. But when the storms of life keep coming and the counterfeit gods and idols that promise security, promise comfort, promise hope and peace, just leave us not satisfied. We're still thirsty we, the church, have an opportunity that if we're awake and we're repentant and faithfully sharing Jesus to reach our city, reach the nations, because people are looking for God. People are ready to return to God in a time of crisis. That is why I believe that we've seen so many people open to the gospel in our community at this time and will increasingly come, become so as the, the fallout of the pandemic happens over the coming years. But for repentant followers of Jesus, where we want to be on fire for God, we want to be following after God, we know that when storms come, they have tremendous redemptive power. And so often when storms come into our lives is that they help us return back to God. They help us reduce the power of sin in our hearts and in our lives. It helps us to develop, if you allow it, humility, patience, self-control, character in our lives. I really believe that God uses storms like COVID to awaken the church to truths that we would not have seen previously. I don't know about you, but there are many, many things that I have seen and felt and witnessed and uh, my eyes are open to that I would not have seen maybe a year, 18 months ago. Maybe it's the fragility of life. Maybe it's the need, the simple need to gather as a church. And when we get to do that again more regularly and just being together in community, worshiping God, maybe it's the importance of being the church, not doing church. Maybe it's the importance of being thankful. Maybe it's being um, just appreciating the simple things of life once again. Understanding the brevity of life, the power that's in the gospel. All these things. 
that we have become awakened to truths that we would not have seen. It sometimes takes a storm in life for us to see these things, for salve to anoint our eyes so that we can see again. Now, let me close today with a bit of a bombshell of a moment we see in these verses. You see, at the beginning, God instructs Jonah to arise and go to the great city of Nineveh. And he sent the prophet, he sent the prophet to um, people who were not following God, called pagans, if you like, to get them to repent. This was the call. Now, in the same meaning and understanding of the word, we see the word again arise in these first few verses. And what's interesting, now you have the people on the boat, the pagans, if you like, who are looking to their own God, telling this prodigal prophet to arise and appointing Jonah to his God. What a role reversal. It's, it's just mad. You see, God was and is in the storm with us. And it can be, if we allow it, drive us back to God and his goodwill and purpose for our lives. And here's what's amazing. When God is trying to get our attention, is that he'll even send and allow people who have no faith in Jesus will say and do things that will often cause us to come back to God. Maybe it's in your community. Maybe it's in your place of work. Maybe it's with that person in your family. Something will be said. Something will be challenged. And it's a reminder to return back to God and his call on your life. Storms are used by God to shape his people. They are used to bring his people back. They're used as interventions to shape and restrain the inclinations of our hearts. So when storms happen, sometimes look at it, observe it, and see, is this an intervention that I need to welcome in order to bring me back to God, to cause me to repent and to be put back on track with him? Because, and this is kind of the, the heading of this sermon series, Returning in Revival. We know that when the church returns to God is that God can reach a city, is that God can use the church in order to bring revival. So I want to encourage you just to reread again the first six verses of Jonah and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to pray over it, to write notes and um, I hope that today's message has been a blessing to you. God bless you.